We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Legal acquittal is not big enough. It's not comprehensive enough to embrace the truth of what God has done for us in Christ. That when you are declared not guilty, when you are freed from the condemnation of the law in Christ, it really means that you are set free as a person. Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call at any time, 24-7, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is standing by right now to take your phone call. Here now is Pastor Michael Oxentenko with his message today entitled, The Freedom of the Gospel of God. Here's Pastor Mike. He reached into the most holy place, into his own kindness, his own justice, his goodness and mercy. And without contradiction to his law, he raised Jesus Christ from the grave. By the glory of God, he was raised. And by the glory of God, we have a new life. You see, it was discovered on Sunday morning that a righteous man had lived and died for the sins of the world. Now, if you think about it kind of hard here, the wages of sin is death, is it not? So if Christ had been a sinner, would there have been a right to resurrect him? And the answer is utterly no. But it was discovered on Sunday morning that a righteous man had been executed. And the same law of God that requires the death of the sinner required the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. By the glory of God, he was raised. Romans 5.2, through him, Jesus we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in our hope of sharing the glory of God. You see, God can be just and save you because if you are in Christ, you have your link to righteousness. You see, this idea that we can produce a righteousness of our own that's good enough for the time of trouble, that's good enough for the last days, is utter nonsense. We cannot do that. But we can link our lives to one who is righteous. And by our connection to Jesus, we can stand in the last day. And by our connection to Jesus, God can say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Because if Christ is in you, and Christ the hope of glory, you will obey in God's way, in God's time. But God will not forsake you in the journey to get there. You hear what I'm saying? And so this business that you have to appease God, somehow to be accepted by God, is that which destroys the soul before it ever starts the journey with Jesus. Acceptance comes at the beginning of the journey by faith. You see, the key part in the journey is being in Christ. Nothing else is worth anything here. To be found in Christ without your own rags for righteousness. To be found by Christ as His for the future. And for every day today is what matters. You see, that's more than legal acquittal. That's more than God declaring you not guilty legally. That is a walk with Christ that is also experiential. And to never fall away from the righteous one Christ who died for you and who was raised for you for your continual acceptance and justification is what it means to abide. The most important truth in the apostolic gospel is the fact 
that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. You know, I was recently in a theological gathering where some very smart theologian type made the statement that that's a pagan idea, that Christ would die for our sins. Somehow, you know, that that's what the pagans believe, that you have to have a substitute for your sins. And then he went on to say, you know, Jesus didn't have to die for our sins because God isn't that way. So Jesus died just to show us the love of God. Now, while that sounds cute and it moves your heart a little bit, it moves you to arrogance, really. Because what it tells you is that sin's not a big deal to God. And it says that God's law is also no big deal, and He can set it aside kind of freely. It also says that God wasn't really telling the truth when He said the wages of sin is death. It wasn't necessary. And for Christ Himself to not come and die for that reason, why did He die in the first place? And therefore, how can He reveal the love of God talking that way? Friend, if there was no necessity to die because of our sins, there is no revelation of the love of God that flows out of that fact. Because it is the objective necessity of the broken law of God, of the moral standard of who God is, of the need to reconcile justice and mercy at the cross that demanded there be an atonement. When Christ came and dealt with that on the cross, He thereby revealed the love of God. But there is no revelation of the love of God without that objective, real necessity that is rooted in time, in our very need itself. We learned that the most important truth in the apostolic gospel is the fact that Christ died for our sins. Plainly stated in 1 Corinthians 15.3. Now look at Romans 4.25. Here's what the resurrection is about. Christ who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Now what does justification mean? Let's quiz you. What does it mean? Do you remember? Legal acquittal. Now that's not legalism, but that's good. Anyone here have had a traffic ticket? Did you ever go to court to defend yourself with that traffic ticket? You did? Did you get off the hook? You got off the hook! That's a good feeling. I did too. Now, how did it feel to get off the hook and be legally acquitted? Was that legalism when the judge said you're legally acquitted? Was that legalism or was it good? It was mercy, wasn't it? But it had to happen in a legal setting. Mercy found a legal expression, did it not? Legal acquitted. So when we are justified, God says not guilty. He's the judge. He says you're not guilty in Christ. That's good. That's not legalism. Friend, Christ was raised from the dead so that you can know that you are not condemned if you have faith in Jesus as your Savior. And that freedom from condemnation starts at the moment of your acceptance of Jesus Christ. Not guilty in Jesus was the verdict on resurrection morning that will be a hurt again in the judgment day at the end of time. Not guilty. God had the right to raise Jesus from the dead because Jesus never broke the law. And so the law had no legal power or right to keep him in the grave as the power of sin that it is, according to Paul. And God can raise you from the dead in this life and in the future resurrection if you are in Jesus. Because if you are in Jesus, the law has no power to keep you under condemnation. 
Thus the law cannot condemn the person who is in Christ. Period. Why? Because Jesus is not guilty. And thus, because of your faith connection to Christ, you are not guilty in Him. And the just requirement of the law, of what it required in your punishment, has been dealt with at the cross and put away. And just as Adam made you guilty because you were born from Him, in Christ, when you are born again in the Spirit, you are not guilty in Him. You see, the critical part of the journey in Romans 6 is being in Christ. So now we're moving from the legal language of the gospel to the experiential, personal, heartfelt language of the gospel. If you are out of Christ, you get nothing. You hear me? You get nothing. If you're in Christ, you have everything. So what is church about? What is religion about? Friend, it's about being in Christ. It's the pursuit of Jesus that matters. John 15, 3. Jesus is speaking here. Huge in its importance. He says to his disciples, Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. You see, that which helps us grow is, in fact, the word of God. The word of God is the seed. It brings grace into our life. If we want to walk with God that's rooted only on experience, that is not rooted in the Bible, we won't get the right kind of walk with God. So through the word, we're made clean. Verse 4, Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that does what? Bears what kind of fruit? Much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Friend, if you're not bearing fruit in your life, now fruit is not what people are impressed with. Fruit is what we see sometimes after a person's life. But fruit is born in acts of kindness and love when the Spirit of God flows through the life. If you're not bearing fruit in life, you're not abiding in Christ. And if you're not in Christ, you have none of the benefits of the acceptance and freedom of God. So I want to abide in Christ. What about you? Uh, That's what's important here, practically so. Now, in Thoughts of the Mount of Blessings, page 113 to 114, I want to share this statement with you. But forgiveness has a broader meaning than many suppose. When God gives the promise that He will abundantly pardon, He adds as if the meaning of that promise exceeded all that we could comprehend. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's forgiveness is not merely a judicial act by which he sets us free from condemnation. Now, not merely means he does that, but it's more than that. So we don't say that's wrong, that's good, but it's more than that. She goes on to say, it is not only forgiveness for sin, but reclaiming from sin. It is the outflow of redeeming love that transforms the heart. Dear heart, I need a changed heart. Do you? I need it every day. And so the one who died for me reclaims me for himself. She goes on to say, David had true conception of forgiveness when he prayed, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And again he says, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. And then she continues, God in Christ gave himself for our sins. 
He suffered the cruel death of the cross, bore for us the burden of guilt, the just for the unjust, that he might reveal to us his love and draw us to himself. And he says, Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, even as God also in Christ forgave you. Friend, the cross of Christ stands between B.C. and A.D. as the center of human history where God forgave you and me freely in Jesus. You are listening to Reaching Your Heart. More with Pastor Michael Tanko in just a moment. A reminder, we are a listener-funded ministry. We do appreciate your support. If you can help us out with a financial contribution, here's the phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. You can also find us on the web at reachingyourheart.com. Here he is, Pastor Mike, once again. The grace of God was poured out for us in Christ like sweet honey. Sweet honey. And that grace that forgives you declares that you are not guilty if you have faith in Christ. And it also reclaims you for God in Christ, even in your weakness at the beginning of the journey as you are accepted by Christ. You start a life of acceptance. You are in Christ. We are bought back. We are loosed from our sins, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And a whole lot more happens too. So what is our future like if we are baptized into Jesus' death? And we abide in Him so that we are in Christ by faith. For a resurrected life right now and a future resurrection. What is it? Romans 6.5 tells us plainly. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. Have you ever dealt with this specter of doubt in your life where you just felt like you couldn't have confidence that God's going to save you? Come on, have you? Really struggle with that? You know the preacher has struggled with it too on occasion? Can you give me a little slack? Can you? Okay, I can give you a lot of slack too. There have been times I've deeply doubted my acceptance to Christ. By feelings. There have been times I've let the Lord down. Huge. Many times people will tell me I let the Lord down. He makes it worse. <laughs> I hope you don't go telling people, you let the Lord down. That's yeah, kind of hard, you know. But you know what? It doesn't matter. If you are in Christ through the good times and the bad times, and if your failures are not an obstacle for your faith, you retain the acceptance of God in your life, and you grow. Now, it's true, the righteousness of Christ is not a cloak to cover unconfessed and unforsaken sin. We should remember that. But dear heart, I've confessed sins and found myself messing up again. Have you? Have you? I need a right now righteousness that's good enough for the judgment day too. And we have that in Jesus. If we cling to the cross and you cling to the Savior who died for you, you make it through to the resurrection morning, certainly. I like that word in verse 5. The most important word in the verse, I believe, is certainly we shall share in His resurrection. Certainly means you don't have to doubt it. It doesn't mean that you have to live in fear. It means that Christ has claimed you and you are His. There is no lack of confidence in God to raise you from the dead to accept you in Jesus forever in Christ. He's not trying to find a way to keep you out of heaven. And sure as you deserve death, and that you do, Without Jesus, you deserve to die. 
But on the other side, you deserve to live if you are found in Jesus because Jesus deserves to have you because he loves you. Friend, Jesus didn't die for nothing. He didn't die for nothing. Jesus died for you. And you are a something to him. Yea, someone of infinite value to him. This the cross of Christ proclaims. You know, our children need to know that. Our children get this idea that somehow Christ doesn't love them because sometimes we err on the side of being too free to let them do what they want to do. You know, it's been proven that poor self-esteem in children is linked to letting them have their own way all the time. I mean, if you want to have a child with poor self-esteem, just simply don't order their life and don't produce boundaries. Scientific research has proven that that's what wrecks a child's self-esteem. But you can also err on the other side, and this is less frequent but damaging as well, where you can just badger your child about what they ought to do and shouldn't do. And then they get this harsh notion of God. Both of these poles are wrong. You see, our children need to know that as we grow in Christ and as we struggle... That we're not perfect parents, but they need to know that somehow the cross of Christ is good enough to get us through and that we are accepted in the family of God by the grace of God. And when kids figure that out, it's articulated in the family. When they see something bad happen in the church, they see something bad happen in your life, or they see something scandalous happen, you know what? It doesn't matter. They hang in there because they have a foundation that's rooted in Jesus. Because the cross in all its gore and glory is the ultimate truth that holds the heart close to Jesus. So what is the final verdict for the person who is justified by faith, who has been baptized into Christ's death and resurrection, and who no longer lives for themselves but for Christ? Romans 6-7 provides it. Take your Bibles and look at that. It says, For he who has died is freed from sin. Now, the Greek word translated here as freed is the verb dikaiao, and it means justified. The noun form is justification. Therefore, having been justified by faith, exact same word in the Greek, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Dikaio, the D-I-K stem that you will see in the Greek language, is a legal term that means legal acquittal, justification, righteousness in that sense. So why didn't they translate it that way here? Because that's what the word means. Almost all of the translations will not use the word justify. They'll use the word freed. Why? Because those translators knew, as they looked at that verse as to how it stands in Romans 6, that legal acquittal is not big enough. It's not comprehensive enough to embrace the truth of what God has done for us in Christ. That when you are declared not guilty, when you are freed from the condemnation of the law in Christ, it really means that you are set free as a person, that your heart is set free, that you are alive to God. And so they translate it freed from sin. He who has died in baptism by associating themselves with Christ's death is freed from sin. Friend, you are not bound to your sins that would take you to the judgment day at the end of the millennium in Jesus. You are bound to Christ. You are claimed for Christ for time and eternity, justified, freed. She came to church because she was supposed to. Maybe a few of you came that way today. And she had learned that obeying matters a lot, but she had also learned from some very religious people That God cannot accept you unless you become perfect. 
Maybe you've heard a version of that in church. These very sincere religious people have taught her that she will not make it through the end times unless she is perfect. For her, that was a heavy weight to bear because she knew she wasn't right with God right now. How could she ever become perfect? And life for her right now was really hard. And no one knew why but her. And she knew that the more she tried, the more she failed to achieve that perfection she had to have to be accepted by Christ and saved. So she thought and so she learned from some very religious people. She was at a camp meeting that I attended years ago when I was a young pastor in Tennessee. We had all work duties as pastors. We had to make sure the camp worked and all that. And I had mine as well. And I was supposed to watch out for the camp as a guard and set up for children's services and also look out for troubled campers. And when I saw her face, uh, yep, that's what she was, a troubled camper. She was dressed like someone who was troubled socially and emotionally. She wore clothes that intentionally made her look like someone who lived in the 1800s. I think it made her feel more religious to look that way. She also had this look on her face like some of the pictures we see in the 1800s. You ever gone back and looked at those Civil War pictures? None of them are smiling. Right? They don't smile. Now, in family pictures, when you have a family picture, you know, the photographer will stand there and he'll say, smile. And they'll say, Pastor Mike, smile. I'll go like this, you know, I'll smile. And you smile. And then they try to snap the shot with a smile. It must be back then they said, don't smile. Everyone not smiling? Snap the picture. Well, she wasn't smiling because something was wrong inside her heart and mind. I went up to her. She was in her 20s, and she looked like she was in her 50s. I said, what's wrong? She said, I feel so down. If Jesus were to come today, I would not be ready because I am not perfect for the last days. Right then and there, I stopped what I was doing. I didn't care what my camp meeting duties were. And I sat down with her, and I began to talk with her. And I asked her if she ever heard what the gospel of Jesus, the gospel of God, is about of what Jesus did for her at the cross and on the cross. And so she let me share it with her. I was afraid she'd say, no, I don't want to hear it. But no, she said, tell me about it. And right there, I led her in a prayer to accept Jesus as her Savior from sin. She learned that Jesus died for her sins. She learned that Jesus was raised so she could be accepted. And she learned that that acceptance starts at the beginning of the journey, not the end of the journey. And so I gave her the gospel presentation. And I explained to her that Jesus loves her. And that no matter what you learn from religious people, if it doesn't sync with that, throw it away. Jesus loves you. And before you ever become perfect, and that you will be in time, His time, you are accepted right now at the present time in Jesus as if you had never sinned. Suddenly a glow settled on her face as she left me all alone. She ran back to her family like a jitterbug, ran away. I saw her at the end of camp meeting, didn't see her. She was dressed differently. She didn't have those ugly looking 1800 centuries clothes on with ascension socks. But she didn't put on things that were immodest either. I didn't see any kind of jewelry on her, nothing like that, nothing gaudy. Just a beautiful, simple Christian beauty shining in her face. And something more important was glorious to behold. I could see the smile on her face, the glow of the Holy Spirit. You see, when a person comes to Christ that way and they have faith in Christ, they receive the Holy Spirit. God gives it to them. She was happy. I said, how are you doing? 
She says, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Thank you for sharing Jesus with me. I'm just so happy. The gospel, friend, is good news. It's not good advice. It's not an admonition. It's true we must obey it. But it's good news of what Jesus has done for us and can do for us. But mostly what he has done for us is good news that sets the sinner free. Legal acquittal, but more than this, freedom. Freedom. Dear heart, never forget that for freedom, Christ has set us free. Dear Heavenly Father, we need Jesus today. We don't just need him today, we need him a whole lot today. And Father, we need to know that we're accepted in faith. Now Father, sure there are conditions to this. We've got to really surrender up. And that means to fall down and say Jesus is Lord. To recognize that we're sinners. To not run from this fact. And then to say thank you for loving me and forgiving me. Lord, I'm grateful today that the legal acquittal of God, which is the freedom of God, is ours when we believe. It's ours every day we stay in Christ all the way to the judgment day and that we will be perfect in your way and we really don't have to focus on that part of it. I pray that you'll give your people today, Lord, the wonderful gift of the freedom of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today to Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Oxentenko. We are a listener-supported ministry and would love for you to partner with us as we continue to present Christ-centered biblical truths of Scripture in practical and relevant ways. Call us right now at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Visit the website reachingyourheart.com to find out more about this ministry, Reaching Your Heart, and Pastor Michael Oxentenko. That's Reaching Your heart.com. 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. You can donate right there on the website, reachingyourheart.com. 888-244-HOPE. Thanks for listening. And as always, we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Your heart.